Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Friday, August 4th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine this morning. Chance of an afternoon thunderstorm. The high 80. The weekend looks pretty nice, though. Saturday, Sun clouds, high 86. Sunday, partly cloudy, high 85. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 71 and cloudy in Glen Cove out on Long Island, 70 and cloudy in Belmore down the Jersey Shore, and it is 70 and cloudy here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning out on the tennis court yesterday afternoon with my college-age kid, uh, the other one, well, whatever. The other ones didn't want to be out there, but the college-age kid's out on the court with me. And uh, he says to me, as we get out into the court, he says, I'll tell you what. Let's make this game interesting. If you can take just one set away from me, I won't let – I will make it so you don't have to pay my rent next month, right? I pay his rent at college for his apartment. The rent will be on me if you can take one set away from me. So I'm like, yeah. And I said, you know, I'm going to hold you to this. If if I win a set, I am not going to pay your August rent. So I uh, walk out under the court. Now, mind you, I've beaten him the last few times we played. So I'm feeling pretty cocky and confident that I'm going to save about 600 bucks here. So I get under the court. I take the first game. I'm like, okay, five games away, 600 bucks in my pocket. And then he proceeds to kick my ass like nobody's kicked my ass in years five six straight games i mean he had me running from one side of the court to the other i looked like the old man that i was in fact at one point there was a guy watching from his balcony across the street and he screamed at me to run faster he was watching me play tennis getting belted like my kid like nobody's business so uh I uh I, I I mean it was just it was it, it, I couldn't stop hitting it into the net uh past the end of the court uh, I couldn't get a serve in he's acing me on my side of the court and the funny thing is you really got nothing out of it except some pride he's I said well what are you going to get if we're betting 600 bucks and he said well no nah, that's fine I'm so confident I'm going to beat you so he did and he destroyed me it was it was quite embarrassing and um well, and the worst part, of course, is now I have to pay his August rent. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. Why did that LIRR train leave the tracks? Donald Trump has his day in D.C. The MTA has a new plan to catch fair cheats. So what happened to those men who ended up in Brooklyn and a Brooklyn Creek? A real plan, apparently, to find more places to pee in the city. 
Yeah, you heard me right. All right, let's get into it. 503. What's out odd on Long Island? Crews working to restore full service to the LIRR ahead of this morning's commute after more than a dozen people injured when all eight cars of a train derailed in Queens yesterday. Train 722 departed Grand Central, was heading towards Hempstead when it derailed just east of Jamaica Station at 175th Street and 95th Avenue. This was about 11 o'clock yesterday morning. Train what was pretty filled. We yeah. see the people. The people were were screaming. Train lifted off the track. It started bouncing all over the place. And then you sort of jolted a little bit. So everybody started screaming and yelling. Train turned into a church real fast. There were 13 minor injuries. Nine of those injuries were minor. Two were considered moderate. Two were considered a little more serious. When something happens like uh, like this, we think that maybe it's the last time. It's our last time in this world. There's delayed trains. This train just happened to be a derail train. Happy to be talking to you, I guess. Yeah, and people were pretty freaked out, and who can blame them? Is this train rock and rolled just for a moment, just before it left the tracks while the injuries sustained during the incident were minor? Of course, the question this morning still remains, what caused this derailment in the first place? MTA doing their investigation overnight as they fix what's wrong with the tracks. MTA Chair Jano Lieber says the uh, wreck crew, which is the crew that goes out after these kinds of things, re-railing the train. They did that yesterday. Repair is going to be done on the track they were doing that overnight as fast as they could the restoration process is not merely a matter of re-railing the train uh, there is damage to the the ties and other railroad infrastructure as well uh, that has to be addressed. The derailment happened near 175th Street and 93rd Avenue in an area that's called the Hall Interlocking, which is the LIRR's second busiest rail intersection. So this is why it was such a big deal yesterday. Officials say the investigation still in its early stages, but they've ruled out speed as a factor since the train was operating under the speed limit at about 54 miles an hour. Now our track department and our rec crew will do what they do best. They will assess the situation. They will get this train and these tracks up and running as fast as possible and as safe as possible. LIRR Chief of Operations Rob Free says the train was going straight. They talked to the person who was at the controls. Uh, they now know the speed, 54 miles per hour. So they're trying to figure who's at fault. They're saying so far, well, they didn't want to place blame on anybody just yet. It was going over the last couple switches within the interlocking. So the cars had derailed from, obviously, the east end as the train continued to traverse. Um, all the cars stayed upright. Some of them are leaning a little bit, but they're all, you know, within several feet of the rail. WABC News Time 508. Okay, let's go down to D.C. The arraignment of former President Trump was anything but ordinary yesterday. White House correspondent attorney John Ducker was there, describes the scene. Donald Trump walked in and throughout the hearing, he was very subdued at times. He appeared cranky. Trump pleading not guilty to criminal charges connected to his alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election. And Donald Trump avoided any eye contact at all with the special counsel, Jack Smith. I found that very interesting. The Trump defense team is going to try to delay any court date, push the trial to not start until after the 2024 presidential election. The special counsel, Jack Smith, uh, made it a point throughout the hearing to look directly at the defendant. That, to me, gave me the impression that Jack Smith was sending a message of 
some sort to Donald Trump. Former President Trump saying it's a sad day for America. He spoke out after this hearing in Virginia. So if you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. We can't let this happen in America. He was at the airport in Virginia when he was speaking to reporters. Trump noting that he thinks the case is a persecution against a political opponent. This is a very sad day for America. And it was also very sad driving through Washington, D.C. and seeing the filth and the decay. Trump claims the indictment all just politically motivated. This is a persecution of a political opponent. This was never supposed to happen in America. This is the persecution of the person that's leading by very, very substantial numbers. And then Trump's attorneys, of course, speaking out after this hearing as well. Here they were. President Trump will continue to fight. Not for him, but for the American people. Alina Haba there calling the indictment election interference against the presidential candidate. This is election interference at its finest against the leading candidate right now for president for either party. President Trump is under siege in a way that we have never seen before. So now we'll wait to see what happens with that third indictment. Meanwhile, by the way, down in Georgia, police there say they'll release a mugshot of former President Trump if he's charged there for election crimes, which he may be. This week, the uh, Fulton County Sheriff, Pat Labatt, promised reporters he'll provide them with a mugshot if Trump is arraigned. Now, he has not had any mugshots from these three previous indictments. It doesn't matter your status. We we have mugshots ready for you. Now, the Democratic District Attorney of Fulton County has strongly hinted Trump will be indicted soon over his alleged election interference. The marks first time Trump would be forced to take a mugshot in any of these pending cases. And those that take mugshots will be uh, subsequent to open records requests like everyone else. Yeah, the Fulton County Sheriff there is saying Trump will be treated like everyone else in terms of those mugshots. 511. Two members of the Navy stationed out in Southern California arrested yesterday for spying for the Chinese government. 26-year-old sailor Wen Hang Zhao was arrested for spying for the Chinese over the last two years. Petty Officer Zhao agreed to transmit and did in fact send sensitive U.S. military information to the intelligence officer working for the People's Republic of China. U.S. Attorney Martin Estrada there says Zhao earned $15,000 from the Chinese, sent operational plans for training missions in the Pacific, radar installations in Japan, uh, information on Navy bases in Ventura County and on San Clemente Island. Another sailor, 22-year-old Jinhao Wei, was also arrested for sending technical and weapon plans from his ships he was serving on in San Diego. Mr. Zhao transmitted to the intelligence officer working for the People's Republic of China details about the Navy's operational security, including photographs and videos of the interior of naval bases located at Ventura and at San Clemente Island. Yeah, this is big-time stuff. Mr. Zhao took photographs of electrical diagrams and blueprints for a radar system located at a U.S. military base in Okinawa, Japan. Prosecutors not detailing how the connection was made, uh, where the payments were made, how they figured out this was all going on. Petty Officer Zhao agreed to transmit and did in fact send sensitive U.S. military information to the intelligence officer working for the People's Republic of China. So part of this, for sure, they say, was just the cash incentive from the Chinese. Uh, I guess as the days go on, maybe they'll release more of these details. 513, the uh, State Department... 
uh, speaking of China, says it's concerned over a call in China for its citizens to spy on each other now. This week, China's Ministry of State Security said the communist country should encourage its citizens to join counter-espionage work and establish a system that would make it normal for regular citizens to participate in counter-espionage. A U.S. State Department spokesperson told reporters yesterday they're concerned about the move. Spokesperson Matt Miller saying certainly encouraging citizens to spy on each other is something that's of great concern. I'm Scott Carr. 513 while we're overseas, Secretary of State Antony Blinken warning of global food insecurity caused by Russia's war in Ukraine. Conflict is the largest driver of food insecurity with violence and unrest pushing 117 million people into extreme deprivation last year. Blinken making those remarks before the United Nations called out Moscow for pulling out of the Black Sea Grain Initiative, which allowed Ukrainian exports of grain to continue amid this war. Blinken says grain prices jumped by more than 8% since Russia's decision several weeks ago. This initiative never should have been necessary in the first place. It only was necessary because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and its blockade of Ukrainian ports. So he says it's bad uh, global food insecurity here. He explains a little bit about that. These shipments help to lower global food prices for everyone by roughly a quarter since Russia's full-scale invasion. Blinken says uh, Russia's weaponization, again, this is in front of the U.N. yesterday, of food harms millions of vulnerable people around the globe. Every member of the United Nations should tell Moscow enough using the Black Sea as blackmail. It doesn't seem like uh, things are going to change there. That war, of course, continues to go on as the Ukrainians now push towards Moscow. Those drone attacks over the last couple of days promising there'll be more drone attacks on Moscow in the coming weeks. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. And good morning. Happy Friday, Justin Ellick. And happy Friday to you, Noma Layden. Start here. Football season is finally here as your New York Jets kicked off the NFL's preseason schedule last night in this year's Hall of Fame game, losing 21-16 to to the Cleveland Browns. With Aaron Rodgers and the rest of the starters not suiting up, who's Zach Wilson, who started the game under center, showing he can move the Jets' offense as a backup quarterback, at least for a short period of time. With a 3-5 of five performance and 65 yards, through the air in his three series on the field, there was a notable opening night glitch as a power outage in Tom Benson Stadium caused about a 20-minute delay between the third and fourth quarters. But other than that, it was a great night to finally be able to say, Noam, it is football season. Thank God. Yeah, and, uh, well, unfortunately here, though, back to the diamond, there is still baseball to be played by our underwhelming local ball clubs. The Yankees have miraculously strung together two straight wins here after their 4-3 to three win over the Houston Astros at the stadium last night in the opener of a four-game set. Somehow, after all their troubles this season, they're still within striking distance in the American League wildcard race, just two and a half games back of Toronto for the final spot. It was back-to-back jacks from Stanton and McKinney in the first that gave the Yankees an early momentum that they wouldn't let go of. Judge runs and a towering drive left field. McKinney, he golfs one, right field and deep, and they've gone back to back, McKinney to the second deck. One guy you expected from, the other guy not so much, put it together and it's three to nothing New York. 
Those calls courtesy of Fox Sports. Bombers will go for three straight wins tonight in Game 2 of 4 with the Strohs. First pitch scheduled for 7.05 p.m. with Luis Severino scheduled to start against Houston's Hunter Brown. As for the Mets, they're just playing for their pride at this point. Still not doing a very good job of it. Losing 9-2 to in Kansas City to the Royals last night to surrender the series sweep. Now a dwindled down shell of the team they were to start the season. The Mets sit 20 games back in the division and 7.5 and games back in the National League wildcard race. Things don't get any easier from here either, with New York getting set to now go head-to-head with the AL's best in the Baltimore Orioles. Game one of a three-game set gets going tonight at 7.05 p.m. in Baltimore. David Peterson will take the hill against Baltimore's Dean Kremer. Here was Sports Gnome on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellick. WABC News Time 519. We were just talking moments ago about the war and Russia's, U- uh, Russia's war against Ukraine. And we we're just getting this into the newsroom, actually. Russia is accusing Ukraine early this morning of attacking one of their bases in the Black Sea. The attack is the first time a commercial Russian port's been targeted in this 18-month-long war. The uh, the city is a major port on the Black Sea. It hosts a naval base, some shipbuilding yards. Uh, there's an oil terminal there. It's also a key port for Russian exports. And uh, the Russians said they were able to take down 13 drones early this morning. Not clear what that attack did to the port for the drones that got through. Of course, as information comes in to us, we will pass that on to you. 520, let's bring it back home. The daughter of California Senator Dianne Feinstein has the power of attorney now over the sitting senator's legal affairs. The New York Times reports the 90-year-old lawmaker's daughter, Catherine Feinstein, is currently in a legal battle with the daughters of her mother's late husband. The senator's decision to delegate management of her affairs comes amid questions over whether Feinstein is fit for office due to her age. Last week, a hot mic caught the senator appearing confused during a routine committee proceeding in which an aide had to instruct her to vote during a roll call vote. I'm Brian Shook. Let's go down to the Texas border. A second death being linked to Texas's so-called floating border wall. Democratic Congressman uh, Joaquin Castro says that Governor Greg Abbott now has blood on his hands from this. These barbaric, inhumane tactics cost people their lives, and it looks like that's exactly what happened. A dead person found attached to the giant plastic balls. The Texas Department of Public Safety believes the victim drowned upstream, floated into the barrier. The second body was found about three miles away from the chain of buoys, which is bobbing in the Rio Grande. Mexico's Secretary of Foreign Affairs says it's unclear if the bodies are connected. The congressman, again, says the system of buoys he thinks is cruel and barbaric. The Department of Justice needs to move as quickly as they can to force Greg Abbott to take these things out of the water. This is blood on Greg Abbott's hands. He put those devices in the water knowing that they're drowning devices. 522 Democratic presidential hopeful Robert F. Kennedy Jr. says the U.S. is failing to control the southern border, and he says he makes it to the White House. He'll fix that. We need some barrier so that we know everybody who's crossing. We can do that. And we can, and if we have the personnel, we can stop that. He was speaking in Southern California yesterday. Kennedy says immigration reform will be one of his top priorities. He says the current policy is not serving anyone's interests. He called for more barriers and more personnel across the U.S.-Mexico border. The specious claimants are not allowed into this country. They're turned away. If we were doing that today, the entire business model for the cartels would collapse. Our relationship with the Mexican government is at a low. And we need to improve that relationship. 
and bring them into a partnership with us in stopping the flow of immigration. While we're out on the campaign trail, Florida Governor presidential candidate Ron DeSantis says he'll do things Trump did not complete if he makes it to the White House. I will end the weaponization of government. Uh, IRS, DOJ, FBI. DeSantis blaming Trump for not draining the swamp like he says he promised he would do. He did not make a dent in the swamp. In fact, you know, he didn't fire Christopher Ray. He elevated Fauci and didn't fire him. He put General Milley in uh, defense to lead um, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, Jerome Powell, to the Fed. And we will handle that in a way that will actually bring fundamental change to Washington. The governor promises take action day one by bringing in a new FBI director cleaning house at the Department of Justice. Too. Are we going to actually drain the swamp? Or are we just going to be talking uh, about draining the swamp? Uh, and I think the former president had promised to drain the swamp. 524 forecasters sticking to their prediction now of above average Atlantic hurricane season this year. The latest update from Colorado State University predicts 18 named storms, nine hurricanes and four major storms. That's the same as their forecast last month. Tropical weather experts at the university initially called for a below average season. However, they say extremely warm water in the tropical and subtropical Atlantic is expected to count some of the typical El Nino-driven increase in wind shear that would affect hurricanes. I'm Rick Hoshul. WABC News Time 524. A striking actors and writers continue to demand better compensation and protections against artificial intelligence. The studios actually seem to be embracing AI in just a huge way. SAG after President Fran Drescher says she feels they have the studios or, or the union has the upper hand. I'm hopeful and I feel very So according to this job posting on Indeed.com, Netflix is looking for a project manager for its machine learning program, AI. The salary is up to $900,000 a year. Now, a typical actor pays a fraction of that for a temporary good, but Netflix isn't the only studio going on an AI hiring spree. Uh, Disney, Sony, CBS, uh, Amazon Prime also looking to fill AI positions. You can go online, you'll see. Developing systems that can produce content without humans, of course, is one of the biggest concern for those actors and writers who are on the picket line today. They're acting like they're mad at us and they're not talking to us, so we're not advancing in the negotiation. Fran Drescher says uh, her union, her actors, uh, the writers, everybody, she says, are getting a lot of support. We have the public uh, backing us and, uh, and workers around the world stand behind us. WABC News Time 526. National Insurance Crime Bureau out with its latest list of the most stolen cars in the United States. According to federal crime data, the top two most stolen vehicles in 2022 were the full-size Chevrolet Silverado and Ford F-150 pickup trucks. The Honda Civic and Accord are the numbers three and four most stolen, followed by the Hyundai Sonata and Elantra. Rounding out the top ten are the Kia Optima, Toyota Camry, GMC Pickup, and Honda CRV. More than 700,000 vehicles are stolen in the U.S. each year. I'm Phil Hewlett. All right, let's take a look at Wall Street job numbers from July. They'll come out this morning after Wall Street closed higher yesterday. At the closing bell, 
The Dow lost 166, or rather, check that, 66 points to 35, 2015. Analysts expect today's job numbers to come in at around 200,000 non-farm positions added. That would be the smallest gain since December of 2020. Unemployment is expected, though, to hold at 3.6%. That report is due at 8.30 this morning. Of course, when we get it in, we'll pass that on to you. We are just getting started on this early Friday morning so much more to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hour sid and friends in the morning the line of migrants outside the roosevelt hotel no longer there so where are they we'll tell you coming up the mta has a new plan to catch those fair cheats but will it work what happened to those two men who ended up in uh, brooklyn creek we have the latest details and apparently a real plan to find more places to pee in the city we'll get into that story as well but first this at 529. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 531. Good morning. It is Friday, August 4th. Thank God, right? Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine this morning. Chance of an afternoon thunderstorm. The high today going to be 80 Saturday, sun clouds, high 86. Sunday, partly cloudy, high 85. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 71, cloudy in Glen Cove out on Long Island. 70 and cloudy uh, down the Jersey Shore in Belmar. And it is 70 and cloudy here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour right here. In Midtown, the line of migrants waiting for days outside the Roosevelt Hotel in Midtown is gone this morning. Mayor Adams' chief of staff said the city was able to move the about 130 migrants from in front of the hotel, who've been there for some of them more than a week, to a church out in Long Island City, Queens. The 130 that were online last night, they were placed in the, in the church in Long Island City. And we also found space in certain other ballrooms. I mean, we look for every single space that we can. If you see a line outside, it is because we have done absolutely everything we possibly can to find something. It is the first time since Saturday, Saturday of last week, that migrants were not sleeping outside the hotel. The hotel, of course, serves as the migrant welcome center. But despite clearing the area outside the hotel, the city still has just a ton of work to do to find a permanent housing solution for these migrants that just continue to pour in. Yes, I think we have to look at Central Park and Prospect Park and all these different places because what are we going to do? Of course, that has lots of New Yorkers up in arms. The fact that parts of Central Park could be uh, turned into a tent city to house some of these migrants. Not clear if that's going to happen, but City Hall refusing to take that option off the table. City officials, by the way, amid all this, they were still expecting more buses to roll in late last night to the Port Authority. Don't know if that was the case, but usually they're told ahead of time those buses are coming. So my guess is those buses did come in last night with even more migrants. The number well over 93,000 that have come here from the U.S.-Mexico border since spring of last year. Uh, meanwhile, by the way, in the basement of the Church of the Blessed Sacrament on the Upper West Side, 
Uh, they had a meeting because they're so frustrated with a group of migrants that have moved into their neighborhood, and they say they're causing problems there. You see a number of unsavory characters on the block you probably don't want to make eye contact with. And there's an ele- a small element, they're the ones that are hanging out, and isn't there any way for us to just target those groups and remove them? They say some of the migrants being housed at the Stratford Arms on 70th Street, destroying their neighborhood. The community has complained of drug use, noise complaints, uh, out-of-control e-bikes. Meanwhile, the Legal Aid Society, by the way, and the Coalition for the Homeless, they're going to be in court 11 o'clock this morning for an emergency court conference on the right to shelter to find these places, people, places, homes, or to find places for these people to call home is more like it. 534, out to New Jersey. At least two people dead, two others missing after a house exploded in Atlantic County, New Jersey yesterday. It is in the infant stages of that investigation, and any information regarding... Um, anyone involved, uh, we are not going to release at this time. Our main focus right now is to attempt to recover the two out of four victims that are still missing. This house exploded in Buena. A young child, a teenager suffering uh, burn injuries. Um, we don't know the extent of all this just yet. Hopefully they fight. Mm-hmm. The mom is strong, and I spoke to her, and I think she needs prayers right now. It's just heartbreaking. It's, it's horrible. Seeing the, commun- the community together is so good. It's amazing. They're really coming together. Two bodies recovered from the rubble. Uh, several houses in the area damaged by the explosion, and residents evacuated. The investigation being treated as a criminal one. A one-year-old female has been flown to St. Christopher's and is in critical condition. A 16-year-old female has also been flown to St. Christopher's and is currently in stable condition. Police promised to give us more details about this explosion this morning. 535, hundreds of nurses in New Jersey going to walk off the job 7 a.m. this morning. Then 1,700 of them working at Robert Wood Johnson Hospital in New Brunswick going on strike. USW4 200 President Judy Danella says they've reached a breaking point, these nurses. Uh, it's all about short staffing. That's the top concern, bigger than money. We wanted more stability that if the nurse in, say, the middle of the shift needs something, that there would be somebody that they could send to help or that's looked at in the beginning of the day to make sure that the staffing is appropriate. The union also concerned about rising insurance costs. The hospital says it will remain open and care for patients as best as it can as these nurses walk off the job. While we're in New Jersey, just an awful story took place earlier this week. Getting more details about it. Rolando Chulala was enjoying some time with his young kids on the banks of the Millstone River when all of a sudden his kids began flailing for help in the water. So Cholula jumped in, was able to grab his 8, 11, and 13-year-old kids, get them into shallow water. But somewhere along the way, as he was trying to get out, he lost his balance. He went under, uh, was not seen again. He has a huge family that raced to the river to search for him. My brother and I ran through the, the length of the river, as did my, my, my sisters and, you know, the rest of our cousins. Now, when cops showed up at the scene, Cholula's kids told them they did not know where their dad was. Unfortunately, search crews found the 42-year-old's lifeless body downriver a few hours later. He comes from... A very tight-knit family in central New Jersey. Uh, he's got six kids. One of the kids speaking out yesterday. Yesterday when we ate at IHOP in the morning before everything, everything happened. 
He put others first before himself. He'll risk his life. Yeah, uh, so... Uh, this is a river that sometimes people swim in, but the current is known to be awfully strong at times. He had just been there at my house and my parents' house uh, together uh, celebrating my dad's birthday. I think that's how I remember him as a very loving uh, father, someone who, um, in a sense, was a teacher at heart. Yeah, terrible story. A 42-year-old again uh, dying after saving those three kids. WABC News Time 539. Let's go up to the Bronx. A vigil held last night there for an NYPD cop who was shot and killed by his own father in an apparent murder suicide on Wednesday. What was a crime scene became a place of prayer last night and support for the grieving family and the grieving men and women of the NYPD. About a thousand people showing up outside this apartment building last night. Everybody he came in contact with, he was an amazing soul. The crowd here speaks volumes, volumes that community, family, police come together and support Alexis's family. Officer Alexis Martinez was off duty at home when police say he was shot by his dad Wednesday afternoon, leaving a family, a neighborhood, police department in a state of disbelief. He's only 26 years old. I heard someone say earlier. You die twice, and the second time is when we stop mentioning your name. And I can tell you we will never stop mentioning his name. Martinez worked in the Specialized Bronx Narcotics Division. Uh, The commissioner, police commissioner, called his death an unspeakable loss. He was there alongside fellow saluting officers as Martinez's body was carried out on Wednesday. Out to Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Mirage Nightclub holding its first event last night, two days after a man's body was found in the waters of Newtown Creek right near the venue. This marked the second time in two months in which investigators made such a discovery. Concert-goer John Castick, this was on Saturday, had been last seen at the venue enjoying a concert. He was reported missing after leaving the club and going to get an Uber. Uh, last night, of course, everybody wanted to talk about his death because there's been no ruling, no official ruling from the NYPD about what took place, how he ended up in the creek dead after leaving the club uh, early Sunday morning. We're probably going to leave together. We're not going to pick up any taxis outside the venue. We're probably going to make sure we get an Uber home. We've had tickets booked to this venue for months, so it is kind of surprising that the one gig that we're going to be going to, this has sprung up in the past week. Yeah, so two bodies in the Newtown Creek in just a matter of two months. In the case of Castic, the Goldman Sachs analyst was found dead in the creek after attending a concert at the Brooklyn Mirage. His family says... He may have died of a peanut allergy. Uh, allergy. His father, speaking to the New York Post, Castic's father says he believes that his son suffered an allergic reaction after leaving the concert venue in Bushwick around 3.15 in the morning. Now, how the allergic reaction and how he ended up in the Newtown Creek, they did not connect that for us. The grieving dad, though, said his son had told his friends he was not feeling well before deciding to leave uh, by himself. He thinks that maybe he either ate something or drank something that had peanuts in it. Uh, And they say that's when he started to feel ill after going to the club. Now, police have told us this much, that they did not suspect foul play in his death, but they have not connected all the dots for us just yet. 543, the MTA launching a new fare evasion crackdown for those not paying on buses in New York City. And there is a lot of people who don't pay for the bus. 
In fact, we talked to riders, uh, some who say they watch uh, as people just hop on the bus, don't pay, and nobody seems to care. I feel a little bit cheated because I have to pay and they're just walking on. That was very unfair because um, you just felt like, you know, if they can do it, everybody else was doing it. So yeah. why shouldn't you do it? But being that it's going to stop, I feel better knowing that when I spend my money, they have to spend their money also. Yeah, she's right. MTA Chair Jenna Lieber says the agency now starting to deploy unarmed revenue fare enforcement agents on random local buses. They'll also be backed up by NYPD units to catch these folks, and there's a lot of them, who don't pay this bus fare. This is the first time that we've really gone all out on all the different types of MTA buses to start bringing fare evasion enforcement for real. The MTA says fare evasion has gotten much worse recently. Estimates that about one-third, one-third of bus riders skip out on paying every single day. Uh, The Bronx, by the way, is apparently where it's the worst, the most people who do not pay the bus fare. Uh, Lots of people, you say, well, how do you get on the bus without paying the fare? Lots of people going through the back door. Last year, the MTA thinks it lost about $315 million on just bus fare evasion alone. We are determined to accomplish real change, real reduction of this epidemic of fare evasion on our beloved bus system. Yeah, okay, so we'll see if this work. It's undercover agents on buses. They'll be backed up by police units, and they say they'll start handing out tickets, maybe even arresting these people who do not pay the bus fare. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, and here's Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam Malayden. Football season is finally here as your New York Jets kicked off the NFL's preseason schedule last night in this year's Hall of Fame game, losing 21-16 to to the Cleveland Browns. With Aaron Rodgers and the rest of the starters not suiting up, it was Zach Wilson who started the game under center, showing he can move the Jets' offense as a backup quarterback over a short period of time at least with a 3-5 of five performance and 65 yards through the air in his three series on the field. There was a notable opening night glitch as a power outage in Tom Benson Stadium caused about a 20-minute delay between the third and fourth quarters. But other than that, it was a great night to finally be able to say that it is indeed football season. So we're looking forward to all the football we get for the weeks to come. Unfortunately, though, there is still baseball to be played at our, uh, at Fire, I should say, underwhelming local clubs. The Yankees have miraculously, uh, miraculously strung together two straight wins here after their 4-3 win over the Houston Astros at the stadium last night in the opener of a 4 game set. Somehow, after all their troubles this season, they're still within striking distance in the American League wildcard race, just two and a half games back of Toronto for the final spot. It was back-to-back jacks from Stanton and McKinney in the first that gave the Yankees an early momentum that they would not let go of. Judge runs in a towering drive left field. Back goes McCormick. Giancarlo Stanton hits it out. Second consecutive game of the home run for Stanton. And the Yankees strike first. Al McKinney, he golfs one, right field and deep, and they've gone back to back. McKinney to the second deck. One guy you expected from, the other guy not so much. Put it together and it's three to nothing New York. Those calls courtesy of Fox Sports. The Bombers will go for three straight tonight in game two of four with the Strohs. First pitch is scheduled for 7.05 p.m. with Luis Severino scheduled to start against Houston's Hunter Brown. As for the Mets, they're just playing for their pride at this point pretty much and still not doing a very good job of it. Losing 9-2 in Kansas City to the Royals last night to surrender the series sweep. Now a dwindled down shell of the team they were to start the season. The Mets sit 20 games back in the division and seven and a half games back 
in the National League wildcard race. Things don't get any easier from here either, with New York getting set now to go head-to-head with the AL's best in the Baltimore Orioles. Game one of a three-game set gets going tonight at 7.05 p.m. in Baltimore. David Peterson will take the hill against Baltimore's Dean Kremer. Here with sports. No, I'm on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Alec. All right, let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. Joe just talking about one of the biggest ones, the LIRR, the crash, the derail that took place yesterday. Crews working overnight to restore full service to the LIRR ahead of this morning's commute. As Joe said, check that app on your phone to see if your train's leaving, if it's skipping your station. Uh, a dozen people injured when all eight cars of a train derailed in Queens. Train 722 departing Grand Central was heading towards Hempstead when it derailed east of Jamaica Station. This is at 175th Street and 95th Avenue, about 11 yesterday morning. We see the people, the people were, were screaming. The brain lifted off the track. It started bouncing all over the place. And then you sort of jolted a little bit. So everybody started screaming and yelling. Train turned into a church real fast. Getting uh, conflicting numbers on the injuries, but it's 13 the latest we have. Nine of those injuries minor, two considered moderate, two were considered more serious. When something happens like, th- uh, like this, we think that maybe it's the last time, it's our last time in this world. There's delayed trains. This train just happened to be a derail train. Happy to be talking to you, I guess. Yeah, people talking about being just jostled around in a big way when this train took off the tracks. Of course, the question everybody wants to know is what happened? Why did this train derail in the first place? MTA Chair Jano Lieber says the wreck crew was out there yesterday re-railing the train, repairs being done to the track in the hours while you were sleeping. The restoration process is not merely a matter of re-railing the train. Uh, there is damage to the, the ties and other railroad infrastructure as well uh, that has to be addressed. So where this derailment took place, it's an important spot for the LIRR. It's the Hall Interlocking, which is the LIRR's second busiest rail intersection. That's why this was such a big deal yesterday. And boy, they've worked hard to fix a lot of it anyway. Officials say the investigation is in its early stages, but they've ruled out speed as a factor since the train was going under 54 miles per hour. Now our track department and our rec crew will do what they do best. They will assess the situation. They will get this train and these tracks up and running as fast as possible and as safe as possible. That's the LIRR chief of operations, Rob Free. It was going over the last couple switches within the interlocking. So the cars had derailed from, obviously, the east end as the train continued to traverse. Um, All the cars stayed upright. Some of them are leaning a little bit. But they're all, you know, within several feet of the rail. Of course, keep it here. 77 WABC. Joe Nolan's going to get you around this, uh, tell you everything to need to know. And, of course, look at that MTA app to find out whether the LIRR is skipping your station altogether or whether it's going to pick you up this morning. The other big story, of course, down in D.C., the arraignment of former President Trump. Anything but ordinary, as you might expect yesterday. White House correspondent attorney John Decker was in the courtroom, describes the scene. Donald Trump walked in. And throughout the hearing, he was very subdued. At times, he appeared cranky. Trump uh, pleading not guilty to criminal charges connected to his alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election. And Donald Trump avoided any eye contact at all with the special counsel, Jack Smith. I found that very interesting. The Trump defense team will try to delay any court date, push the trial to not happen after the 20 or to push it to after that we'll get it right to the after the 2024 election is over. The special counsel, Jack Smith, 
uh, made it a point throughout the hearing to look directly at the defendant. That, to me, gave me the impression that Jack Smith was sending a message of some sort to Donald Trump. And once that hearing was over, the former president uh, taking to the airport in Virginia to jet out. He's called it a sad day for America. So if you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. We can't let this happen in America. He says it's all about stopping him in his bid for another term at the White House. This is a very sad day for America. And it was also very sad driving through Washington, D.C. and seeing the filth and the decay. This is a persecution of a political opponent. This was never supposed to happen in America. This is the persecution of the person that's leading by very, very substantial numbers. Now we wait to hear when that court date might actually take place. 553, let's bring it back to New York. New York going to create permanent outdoor dining program. City Council approving legislation that will cut red tape, make it affordable for restaurants to take part in outdoor dining. Of course, that all started during COVID. Under this plan, we give businesses equity, allowing restaurant owners outside Manhattan to have the same opportunities to rebound from pandemic as those in Manhattan. So sidewalk cafes will be able to operate all year round while roadway cafes will be allowed to open most of the year this pandemic changed our lives changed the way we live the way we do business for better or for worse but as new yorkers we continue to fight we continue to evolve during these dark times and now right now we have the opportunity to build a stronger new york so restaurant uh, owners rather reading through all these new rules trying to figure out what it means for them we got more income we got more staff we paid more tax to the city we employed more people we had more fun. People liked us more. And now it's just being taken away, I guess. It kind of is disappointing. Yeah, I guess some surveys found that most New Yorkers like it. They love, they like the uh, uh, having the opportunity to either eat indoors or outdoors. So you'll continue to, you'll be able to do that uh, in the future anyway. 555, out to Long Island. A man crushed to death when a roof collapsed during a construction project, uh, project in Syosset yesterday. The badly damaged building that was under construction it actually belongs to the Jericho Water District. They were on scaffolding working on the building. While these two males were on top of the scaffolding working, they heard a crack. And what happened was there was 30 trusses which hold the roof up which started to domino effect and, and collapse. Police say it took hours to get to the 49-year-old victim and pull him out of the rubble. Officials say a second victim was also injured, suffering a laceration to his face. And uh, finally, a new city council bill aimed uh, introduced yesterday aims to quadruple the number of public toilets in New York City by 2035. I guess you'll have to hold it in until then. The bill requires one public toilet for every 2,000 city residents, which would result in over 4,000 available toilets. Everybody's tried to figure out this problem over the years. Nobody has been able to figure it out. But City Council member Sandy Nurse says she has a plan she thinks will work. You need access to the bathroom. you got to go when you got to go. And right now, most New Yorkers would be surprised to find or to learn that New York City doesn't really have a plan to increase and expand access to public bathrooms. And so right now, our bill that we're introducing today would essentially fix that. Of course, the question is, if you build a public restroom, will people use it? Lots of times people are afraid to or they're just so disgusting. You're like, I'll hold it until I find another place. 
And, of course, that's what New Yorkers on the street were asking. Some This one woman, she was right next to a restroom in a park in Manhattan yesterday, and she said she would never walk in there because it's just nasty. I would prefer to see them maintained better than they are at this point. Um, staff is here for a certain amount of time, and then they leave, and then after that, Hours go by and nobody's here to check on the bathroom. So I personally would like to see if we had more bathrooms that we had the staff to keep them clean. She's right, right? I don't know if that's part of Sandy Nurse's bill, but if you're going to build them, you got to have people there to maintain them. She's 100% correct. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.